Abba Yahweh. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Your grace for this day and this new day. Your mercies, Father. Your mercy, new mercies I see every single day. You walk with me and you talk with me. Thank you, Father God, sharing your word, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, and allowing me to be a conduit to share that same truth, knowledge, and wisdom with my brothers and sisters. It is your word, Father God. It is not for my glory, God, my vanity, but your word is truth. Your word needs to be shared. The gospel of Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, must be shared, and that is the calling that you have given to us all, that you would have us to believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten Son, have faith in you, and to share this gospel with everyone that will listen and have an ear to hear, Father God. Abba Yahweh, Amen. Yeshua, Amen. Baraklitos, Amen. So, brothers and sisters, I come again to share with you, and this is a, this is an awesome time, and I love that my father, our father, allows me to do this, and this is a, a, it is a time that is dark in this world, um, but we have a promise that he is with us wherever we go. And that is what we need to hold on to, brothers and sisters. We need to be faithful to the one who is faithful to us. And he has promised that he will always be with us. He is a faithful, true God. And brothers and sisters, it is so awesome that he comes with us wherever we go and we have to remember that everything that we walk through everything that we go through he is with us and sometimes we forget that deuteronomy four twenty nine. but if you seek you search therefore hashim lord god your god you will find him if only you seek him with all your heart and soul. And in sharing that, you know, some people, I've watched them when they look for things half-heartedly and they don't find anything and uh, or they can't find it because they're not really looking. Uh, incident took place last night and work and uh, it was kind of sad I mean the individual was very upset but claimed to be needing this thing that he was looking for so desperately stomping and loud obnoxious and just putting the blame on everyone impossible and then uh, accusing that others had taken it and um you know, I tried to reassure him. I said, you know, sir, I saw you walk away. You had it in your hand. 
I believe that you put it in your bag. He doesn't. And sometimes what happens when you set something down where you normally don't put it, and I do this in my house, um, I'm pretty much a creature of habit. And if I put something down someplace other than where I normally put it, it absolutely fries my egg. I can't, I can't figure. I look around. I can't find it. I'm like, Ugh. and then I get this little whisper in my ear that uh, <laughs> the Holy Spirit is talking to me to get me to relax and calm down and then tells me where it's at and I'll go pull open the drawer that I don't normally put this thing in and and there it sits. <laughs> um, it's a I know there's a lot of folks that do that sort of thing. They'll put something down, not normally where they put it. It might have just been walking in to get some a cup of coffee or, or something to drink in the kitchen, and they set it down normally where they wouldn't put it, and then they go back to sit down, and then they look around, they can't find what it was they had. Yeah, I believe there's a lot of people out there that do that, and then they don't want to admit it. But that's okay. I don't have to admit. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. But it, it was kind of, uh, you know, I was praying for this guy because he was really upset. And uh, I don't know if he nor if he found it, but I, I was watching him. And he was not really looking for this thing. He wasn't seeking this thing that he lost that was claiming to be so important. Sharing that to share this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Put God first in everything. I have to remind myself to do this. This is a, It's a disciplinary thing, brothers and sisters. Let me tell you something. Paul writes in many of his letters, in most all of his epistles to the churches, he admonishes, he exhorts, and he reminds them that it takes practice and we have to study and we have to practice these things. We have to practice to meditate. We have to practice the daily prayer things that we have not normally done. But as a Christian, I don't even like to use that word anymore. It's lost its potency for me. There's no, it's like Jesus was talking about the salt of the earth. Brothers and sisters, there are so many that claim to be Christians. And he called his disciples the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, what good is it except to be thrown out with a shaft and thrown out in the dung heap? And brothers and sisters, I boldly tell you now that there are many Christians that claim to be Christians. And they're secular Christians because it's only, they're actually very religious when it comes to the little ritualistic things and all that, that they'll go through that motion. But when it comes to practicing prayer and edifying their brothers and sisters or uplifting brothers and sisters and loving their neighbor, they're full of emptiness. There is nothing there. So the word and that term Christian has so lost its savor. 
it's not there. And this is why it's so easy for people in this world, this dark, broken world now to point their finger. Oh, look at those Christians. And they're not going to separate the group. They're, they're just going to use that term as a whole, which, brothers and sisters, there are many that claim to be that are doing the same thing. Brothers and sisters, I'm a disciple of my Lord Jesus Christ who came in sacrifice and died on a cross for us, for me. He came for me. And I told you before that you can do that and make it personal and God doesn't mind. If you find offense in that, then you're looking for offense and you're not seeking Lord God. You're not seeking the truth. But I don't back down from that. My Lord Jesus Christ came and sacrificed himself for me and whosoever would believe in him. And you can do the same thing, and God doesn't mind that you do that. Make it personal, brothers and sisters. Maybe that's where some of that savor from the salt of the earth went to, because they weren't making this a personal thing. They made it a religious and a group thing. And if they weren't included in the group, or they weren't asked by the group, then they weren't going to do anything. And there's many that don't. I see that there's some that do a whole lot of sharing about their travels and posters and and posting and all of this. But you know what? Don't see them at church very much. Don't hear anything about praying. Don't hear anything about encouragement. Don't hear anything about and, and that. But sure, a lot of posting about travels and wandering. And on a day when they should be in the house of the Lord, traveling, gallivanting. Well, you should find time, even when you're traveling or where you're at, that, that you're in time with the Lord. And I've, I don't want to sound judgmental, but when you are concerned more with your travels than you are with praying and sharing and and uh, talking about the Lord, then it leads me to lean in the direction that I was talking about. Brothers and sisters, we have to be mindful of everything. We are watched constantly, constantly. Brothers and sisters, remember what it is that you search for. If you seek offense, you will surely find it. Look for God and seek his faith in his face, his faithfulness. For he is always with us, brothers and sisters. He is always with us. It doesn't matter where we are, what we're doing. God is always with us. And I'm going to share with you here out of the book of Hebrews 23. This is a, uh, uh uh-oh, where'd I go? Sorry, brother, it's just I lost that chapter. I'm sorry, Hebrews 10, (laughs) 23 through 25. And this is, this is important for me. And I, I, I like this. This is a, 
from Paul, his letter to the Hebrews. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, to encourage each other. That's what he means when he says to provoke. To encourage one another to do good things and love one another, which we are supposed to be doing. The word tells us that all through the Bible, it tells us that. To encourage, to uplift, to love one another. To love our brothers and sisters. When I say my prayer, and I am talking to Yahweh, Father, maker of all things made, I pray for my brothers and sisters. When I talk to him like that, I am speaking to cover everyone, brothers and sisters, because it's not just those that are in the body of Christ, those that have accepted and said that they accept Jesus Christ as his only begotten son and have faith in God, but everyone is my brother and sister. God made us all. It is a character of our heart that is going to either separate us or draw us together. I want the character of my heart to be as my God desires me to be. And I have to be like my father God, no respecter of mammon. And that means it doesn't matter what they wear, what they have or what they don't have, what they smell like, what they might look like. The tonation of their skin was God's determination. The character of the heart is our determination. I want to be and have that good character. The character of Yeshua, Lord Jesus Christ, who came and died for me. I want to have that character and show that character out. And I diligently work on that. And it takes practice, brothers and sisters, because as I shared with you, being born into a world of sin, but not of sin, because children, when they're born, are born without guile. They're taught how to lie, how to cheat, how to deceive, and that a little white lie is okay. And then they learn how to gradually build those lies. So anything, any little lie, you don't lie to somebody because you don't want to hurt their feelings. Does this dress make me look fat? Sweetheart, you know I love you with all my heart, but the stripes are going the wrong way. And if that's what you're concerned about, then, then it does make you look bigger than what you really are. A gentle reproof. And if she decides to be offended by that, then that's what she's looking for. She's not looking for the truth. A husband might ask his wife a question of similar taste. And she'll answer truthfully. And he'll stomp off and go to the shop and you hear the banging and slamming of the tools around. Well, and he wasn't looking for the truth. Look, brothers and sisters, if you're looking for the truth, you can't get offended if somebody tells you the truth. What people have learned to do in these little white lies that that children are taught that it's okay, they learn how to gradually make it bigger and bigger. I don't lie to somebody. I'm not going to. So if you don't want to know if your dress makes you look fat, don't come and ask me. Because if it does... I will gently reprove you and tell you it makes you look bigger than what you think. But if it looks great, I'm going to tell you that at the same time. I'm not going to little white lie anything just because 
it's the thing that we should do not to hurt somebody's feelings. That is a bunch of baloney and a lie that mammon has produced in order to make it okay to get away with lying. And it's not okay for little white lies. If it's a lie, it's a lie. The scripture says a sin is a sin, period. So keep that in mind, this, and continuing Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the, is the manner, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So brothers and sisters, in this darkness, there are folks that are uh, claiming to be Christian, and yet they're gallivanting, and they have every opportunity to uh, get away and go travel or go do this or go do that. And I share that there are some that I've actually heard in conversation. Oh, are you going to be there next Sunday? This is so good. Oh, no, I have a trip planned. I'm going to be gone so-and-so and so-and-so. And so, and, you know, we've had this plan for a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be in, you know, wherever they're going. Well, you know, I guess that's okay for them. As long as there's planning for worship and church. And I don't know that they're not. But as I've shared, it seems like there's a whole lot of sharing about their traveling and moving around and don't hear anything about praying. Nothing comes back about, but, oh, you've been in prayer. We stopped by this great little church over here that found while we were traveling and, you know, praying over you guys and this, that. All you're doing is talking about traveling and having fun. So I actually have fun with God, the Holy Spirit, my Lord. I mean, they're, they're a fun trio to hang out with, actually, if you get with them. Uh-huh. Brothers and sisters, it is we who are wavering and wandering. A lot of times we'll wonder, you know, well, where's where's God? What happened? Where, where'd God go? Exhort one another, uplift one another, encourage one another to seek his face, to stay with God. And that God does not leave. God promised and he is faithful to his word. You can go through the word. And in my daily walk, brothers and sisters, be perfectly honest, I, I find him faithful in everything and the promises. And when I get into a situation and, and sometimes I, I find that it's a very hard thing and, and there's temptation, it comes. And uh, the devil has a siege of the weeds to try to get me into the darkness and keep me away from what I, what I should be doing or where I should be. And I, meet, and I start praying about it. And honestly, I, I forget that that body of armor is on, but I forgot to put on the helmet of salvation. And this is an important part of the armor is that as a military guy, you know, you get in a hurry and things coming in and sometimes you run out and you forget to put the helmet on. Well, that's when you get a bullet. Well, the enemy knows that our mind is our weakest link. And that's true. It doesn't matter what your level of intellect is. It doesn't matter what degrees you have, how many degrees you have, or uh, how you possibly picture yourself as being so highly intelligent. The enemy knows that the mind is our weakest link. And he will come 
his minions will come because I've shared this with you before. Satan is not omniscient. He is not omnipresent. He does not have his heavenly attributes that were once available. He surrendered those. They were taken from him. Just like Jesus Christ when he came and sacrificed himself for us and he went to hell before he rose and went to heaven. He descended into hell and he wrested the keys of death and condemnation from the enemy. He arrested them. That means he reached out, he snatched onto the key ring and he just pulled them away and said, these are mine. You no longer have dominion over life and death. You no longer have dominion over this. These are mine. And he has control. So there's no fear of death. There is no fear of death because Jesus Christ took those keys and we should not have them. Brothers and sisters, he will attack the mind at every opportunity and he will get in there. And it's we who are wavering and wandering and turning aside and turning away and then declaring the audacity. <laughs> it's just amazing. I've been robbed of my joy. My happiness has been taken. And I tell you again, no. You surrendered it. Jesus Christ gave us, through his speech to the disciples, and he, and he told the disciples, we are disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what I am. And he has given his disciples, you and me, brothers and sisters, the authority over the snakes and scorpions, the serpents and scorpions, Bible speak for the enemy's minions, demons. And he has given us authority over the devil. Claiming the blood of Jesus Christ, his strength, the knowledge, wisdom, and power of Lord God Almighty, Hashem, maker, Lord God, and Yahweh, maker of all things made, the ancient of days, the first and the last, the alpha and omega. Brothers and sisters, and the Holy Spirit that comes when we, when we call out and we seek that help, they are there. We have authority. If you give away your joy and you allow your happiness to depend on the happenings around you and then you declare that it was taken from you, it's because you surrendered it. Period. Exclamation point. They don't have the authority to come and take it away from you. And if you let them take it, that's because you just let it go and you were not willing to put up a fight for it. Brothers and sisters, we fight against not those things at the temporal plane of existence, but against principalities and the powers of darkness. We are told that in the Bible. The Bible tells us that. Our instruction manual tells us that we fight against principalities and angels that work in the darkness that are not from the Lord God and heaven angels. Satan, remember, took 
a bunch with him that decided to side with him. And they are demons now. They are angels of darkness. They manipulate the darkness. They manipulate people on this face of this earth that think that the promises of the devil are greater than the promises of God. And they think that Satan loved them. Satan doesn't love anyone except himself. He's so filled with self. And his minions, he doesn't care anything about you. He might get you to think that he loves you. Doesn't know anything about that. As soon as he's done using you, guess what? Your fodder, chef, tossed to the ground and stomped on. You might have something that appears to be great, but it's going to be taken away. It's going to be taken away. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not allow the joy of the Lord to be overshadowed or allowing your happiness to be determined, be determined by happenings that are going around you. Stay in fellowship with God, our Father, my Father, your Father, and stay in that fellowship. That's what he desires from us, fellowship, communion with God, See, brothers and sisters, that's the thing, is that um, the term communion, there's a uh, root word, it's commune, and brothers and sisters, that is, that root word is uh, where we get community, communion. It's, when you commune with someone, it's a, it's a two-way conversation, um, that existence is goes two ways. You share with that person, they share with you, and you're communing with them. You're communicating with them. And when you have communion with God the Father, it's not just that we're taking the representation and remembering the broken body of Jesus Christ in the wafer and the drinking of the wine to represent his blood. And... You know, brothers and sisters, this is something that we do, and and sadly, there are there are those churches that have turned that ritualistic, <laughs> and and not doing it. This is this is something that is not meant to be done in a specific time, at a specific day, on a specific Sunday. Um, this is something that is supposed to be done that we represent and that we do it to remember what He did for us. And it's more of a thing of spontaneity. Don't turn it into something ritualistic. When you're in prayer, and you can even do it at home, brothers and sisters. It doesn't have to be done ritualistically done at church. If even, even here by myself, I do it. But here's the thing. Don't allow it to become a ritual. Then it becomes a religion, Okay. I, I remind you again that Jesus Christ did not appreciate religion. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ detested many religions. And the reason he did that is because God was containerized. The Holy Spirit was not allowed to take part in anything. And you saw how the Sanhedrin, if you, you open your spiritual eyes and you read through the Bible, you see how the Sanhedrin were doing. They were so caught up in the written law. And here's the, here's the absolute craziest and funniest part. There were two sects within the Sanhedrin. 
you had some, the Pharisees, that believed pretty much all of the Torah and the scriptures that were the first five books of Moses, the written law, and then you go into the books of the prophets and the rest of the, the Torah. And they kind of took all of that together, which is what caused Nicodemus the problem that he was having. And that problem, quote unquote, was that he was starting to question some of the things that they were doing, especially when Jesus showed up on the scene and were doing the things and claiming who he was, the son of man. And Nicodemus's eyes were open. His spiritual mind was open. He started seeing with spiritual sight and hearing with spiritual hearing where the rest of the Sanhedrin were not doing that thing. So he questioned what they had been taught and learned all the time. He questioned it because... They were so caught up in what was written down, and that was law absolute. And then then you had the Sadducees, which were uh, caught up in the first five books of the written law and the law. But yet they came together in the with the judges and the Sanhedrin gathered together. The judges were kind of in between, and now in studying the word as I have and looked at it and the knowledge that God has given me, the judges were sat in seats not to so much to um, <laughs> they were referees for crying out loud. There was a body of those that were judges between the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and they sat in refereeing the fight that went on between the two because they were in the midst of argumentation all the time. So the judges had to sit and make decisions and tell, and they, they voted for those judges to be in charge and, and they were elected and put in those places. And those judges sat in some pretty stern attitudes toward either side and just told them. And when the judges made a decision, then they had to abide by it. And once in a while behind their back, they would go to somewhere else. But yet they all got together in order to crucify Jesus. And they all got together, but there were a number of times that Jesus just silenced them. He just, he just said one thing that was doctrinally true and they had no way to respond to it because there was nothing that was written down that they could, you know, like a, uh, what do they call those things when the, uh, the silly politician, oh, a teleprompter. They didn't have a prompter in front of them that told them what to say. Or they didn't have a written speech for them. They didn't have a response because Jesus Christ spoke the truth for crying out loud. He spoke the truth. And I shared that the, the other day with you, Plato. There, there are folks that hate truth tellers, despise truth tellers. And Jesus Christ in his word told us that if we tell the truth and stand in righteousness, we will be hated for his namesake. There will be members of our own family that will turn against because we speak truth. I mean, you don't have to be harsh in, the, in speaking the truth, but when you speak truth, they don't really want to hear it, brothers and sisters. So what do you do? You're going to candy coat the, the word of God so that it doesn't hurt their feelings? Sorry, but that's not acceptable either. And the reason that the gospel, as it's supposed to be told, has lost its potency by these 
lack of savor individuals that claim to be Christians is because they try to sugarcoat everything and, and convince followers that it's okay to tell a little white lie. No, it's not. You don't stand down in cowardice. You don't step aside in compromise. You stand up righteous and you be bold in the truth. And if you stand up in righteousness, then the Lord will be beside you. And it doesn't matter what they say. It really doesn't matter. And you cannot allow it to. Do not let your happiness depend on what's happening. And that includes when they come at you. I've had people come at me. And you know what? I pray the Holy Spirit to let it go because if I was my old man, let me tell you what, let me share this with you, brothers and sisters. I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior now for my Lord God. And I've told God that I want to stand in the gap for him. And that's because God said he looked for anyone to stand in the gap. Let me share this with you. The gap is a very important place, and that's what it was called. Because in most cities during the time that Jesus walked, there were two walls. There was an outer wall and an inner wall. The inner wall kept the stronger gates of defense. And inside those two walls was a place called the gap. And the gap was where vendors gathered and they had like a little marketplace and so forth and so on. And if the city came under siege, everyone in that gap would run to the inner city wall and the gates would be closed and shut. However, there were certain individuals that were left behind intentionally, intentionally left in the gap to fight off the enemy that came in that first gate to keep them from that inner gated defense until all the watch made their alarm. They sounded what they had to sound and got the defensive soldiers to get to that gate, to open that gate and come out and meet them or get on the upper walls to defend the city. God came down and said, I look for one to stand in the gap for me. And on that contract that I signed, I told God that I want to be that one in the gap, that I want to be in the gap. Brothers and sisters, and it doesn't matter if I stand on my own because I don't anticipate that there are a lot of people that would consider doing that thing. And I'm not telling anyone this to pat myself on the back because let me tell you what, sometimes it's lonely. But as a warrior not only for my Lord God, who stands with me. So it doesn't matter if I look to my left or to my right and I don't see anyone there. It doesn't matter to me. Why? Because Lord God Almighty is with me whithersoever thou I goest. He's promised that. So I don't fret that. It saddens my heart. But if I have to stand on my own, I'm not alone. I'm just standing on my own, but I'm not alone. Because he's promised to be there. He has promised to be there. And I trust in my Lord God, my faithful Lord God Almighty. But not only a warrior for God, but for many years before that, I was a U.S. Marine. And I had to train individuals. I had to make sure that they were able to stay alive. And it was not um, some places that I've been and seen and around. Not easy. But if I had, if I stayed in my old self, let me tell you what, some of those individuals that would come on me, 
and I think I may have shared this as it was in that in that church when that uh, that false teacher and that prevaricator had his little secret entourage that were in plain clothes and they came out and actually physically accost me. I mean, they were bumping up into me and trying to do that uh, <laughs> that thing you see on the street where the guys come up to one another. And it, sometimes, sadly, I, I even see women that are doing that now, which never used to happen. But, uh, you know, the guys would come up and they bump their chests and sort of push against each other like you see the rams do up on the side of the mountain before they really get into it and start slamming heads. They, they do that little sort of nudging and bumping and pushing and, and, uh, and then, it, then it gets, then it's on. So had I been the old nature, oh, it would have been on. It would have been on. And those fools lowered their defenses down so much. I already, I mean... My old man's mentality was flipping and, and the wheels were spinning that way. I'd already seen the point of attack and so and they would have been done and down. But then the Holy Spirit grabbed onto me and said, now you see my point. Now you see, now you hear me. Let's go. Let's go now. And, you know, and then glancing around, I saw the men in uniform, but they had all turned and looked away as if nothing was going on and it was none of their business. But let me tell you what, if my old nature had been released <laughs> no brag, just fact. They would have been down. I would have been arrested and then possibly not sharing as I'm supposed to. But the Holy Spirit grabbed onto me and said, are you listening? Do you hear me now? And we walked out. And this is what I mean when God says he's with us, whithersoever we goest. I mean, I, wa I went into that because I was looking for fellowship and then their truth came out and their truth was not the truth, knowledge and wisdom of God, our Father. Their truth, as they saw it, was to convince the members of, this, of their group, their little cult that they had going on and, oh man, that they call themselves Christians. And it might not be the fault of the members of the congregation because they're just being told what they're being told and they're buying into it. So they're being fed lies and they believe it because, you know, it's a beautiful and, and they, you know, they, the way that they sugarcoat all this stuff. So they buy into it. And so here's the thing. Dude, let's back, let's digress a little bit. So now your wife comes to you and asks you about this dress and you put that little white lie on it and say, oh, honey, no, it looks great. It really looks great. And then you go out into public and everyone starts to whisper and talk about how shoddy that dress looks and how terrible that dress is and how it makes her look humongous. And she's not a humongous person. She, you know, she might be a big woman and that doesn't matter, but they're talking about how it makes her look bigger. And she overhears other women talking. She overhears conversation as she's going through the restaurant to go make her way to the restroom or, or you're making your way to the table. <laughs> and she can overhear because when people whisper, a lot of times they don't whisper in a whisper. They whisper so other people will hear it. This is something I've learned in my years of walking through this world, that people don't whisper to keep it a secret. They whisper so others will overhear them, and they do that intentionally. So now, 
Here's the ponderance. If you had spoken truth into your wife's life and spoken truth to her, wives, I talk to you about your husband. If you told him the truth and his buddies didn't start whispering to him about him at the warehouse and, and about what he had, how he had messed up. If you had spoken truth into their lives instead of the little white lie to cover up so you didn't hurt their feelings, and but then you allowed them to go out publicly and be shamed. So do you speak truth in nurturing or do you speak lies to continue their walk in shame? Brothers and sisters, I'm always going to be truthful. I'm going to tell you the truth. And sometimes it's hard to bear. But you know what? As I tell you, and I have said it and shared it before, I don't care. As long as it's done in righteousness and not to openly wound and not to purposely hurt anybody. And I'm doing it in truth and love and truth and sharing the truth of God. I really don't care what you think because my validation comes from God the Father, not from mammon. My God, my Father, allows me to share the truth. And as long as he allows it to happen and continue, I'm going to continue on this path. He has said that it's a good thing that I share truth. And truth is the important. Don't allow happenings to overshadow the joy of the Lord, and determine your happiness. And in that communion and fellowship with God, it's important, brothers and sisters. So, in Psalm 145, 13 through 21, the kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. His timing, brothers and sisters, is what he's talking about. In God's timing, in due season, thou openest thine hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him and all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him and he also will hear their cry and will save them. Auspiciously fear the Lord. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. And David was actually in the midst of worldly turmoil at that time when he was writing that psalm and, and sharing that. So we have to seek his truth always. Don't seek offense and look through offense. And when Paul wrote to the church in Rome, besiege on all sides... And Romans 12 through 25, he wrote to them. Let me flip back there in my note, brothers and sisters. I apologize. But I thought I had a marker there, and I do not. So, uh, so Romans 12, 2 through 5 is the scripture. And in his writing there, I mean, you have to remember too, brothers and sisters, that um, the church in Rome was... Um, 
it was in the middle of, <laughs> wow. Okay, the Roman Empire was there and it was pretty much surrounded on all sides. You had uh, orgies, you had false idols and uh, false gods that were being worshipped. All around them, they felt that they were besieged. So, in Romans 12, 2 through 5. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So here's the thing in God's faithfulness, brothers and sisters, that he knows what you're going to be able to go to and into, and he's, he's able to read your heart and how you're going to, and he's, he's going to be with us always. It's not going to be a perfect walk. I've shared this with you before. You're not going to float above the ground and you're not going to do these, you know, uh, spiritual hocus pocus thing. God walks with us and we walk through a dark and broken world. People lie and they deceive. Preachers that claim to be men of God are actually false teachers, false prophets. And the word talks about that and reminds us that that's there. And we have to just remember that we have to be in the truth. And we have to be in that all the time. And God is with us all the time as we walk in this broken place. They were surrounded, but we have to be sober of mind, sober of thought, which means that we have to be clear-minded. We have to seek out the word of God and his truth. That's what he means. It doesn't mean that the word sober doesn't have anything to do with drinking or being drunk. In this, in this time that's written of in the word of God, when Paul says to be sober-minded, that just means to be don't let things cloud your thought. Don't be distracted by all these things around and, and letting your mind go in a whirl like we do all the time. We get so caught up on what has to be done and this and that and the other thing, and we get not sober-minded. We get dizzy. We get confused, and we're walking around doing all these things that take us away from the Word and study. So... We have to remember that we stay in this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and Paul talks to them, you read that. I'm not going to read it in its entirety because it's, uh, it's a little lengthy. But we have to talk, and we are speaking about God's truth and his wisdom. And Paul, when he came to them, and he declared, because Paul was, Paul was an educated individual, he was a tax collector and all these things, but here's Paul's declaration. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Read that entire chapter, brothers and sisters, but I share that with you because that's important. And as I've shared with you before, I do not have a theological degree. And this is why sometimes I have individuals, I've even had individuals, sadly, that are 
at my church, but I love my church because my pastor preaches from the word of God. He speaks truth and I love the fellowship there because the fellowship is so intermingled and so diversified. I mean, goodness gracious, I invited you to come and I hope that if any of you are in and around the Fort Worth area that you come to Trail Lakes Drive, look and seek Antioch Church, which sits behind the Sonic Drive-In. So after church, you can all go have a really good chili dog or a good hamburger or whatever. Come on over there. It's a really good family. And the sanctuary was expanded so that we could have room and might have to get expanded yet again. Come on over and listen. But as I share, but see, here's the thing. I'm not seeking to be offended by them. They go there and that's their their perspective is their perspective. But I speak truth. I don't have a theological degree. So there were those who were looking to be offended because they thought that because I didn't have a theological degree or somebody somewhere didn't wave a magic wand and make me one of the elders or um, that, but my sharing of God's truth was somehow became offensive. We got to be guarded, but here's the thing, that if it's God's truth and his word and his knowledge, that's all that matters to me, and I will share it and go, and as you've already found out, I become verbose, and I, I can go at length sometimes, but it's talking about God's word. And the nice thing about doing it on this, you can always push the pause button and come back to it, or you can just stop it and come back at a later time. You don't have to sit and listen to the whole thing at once. So if it goes a little bit lengthy, just come back. I don't mind. I don't have a little alarm that goes off on my phone that tells me when people are doing that. And I don't really care however you do it, brothers and sisters, as long as I get the truth of my Lord God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit out to you as long as I'm speaking his truth. That's all that matters. And my degree that I have comes from HSU. And I do have a degree. And it's a much more important degree that's, than any man can sign or any woman can sign and give out on their little fancy sheet of paper. HSU, Heaven Sent University. That's where my degree comes from. And it comes from through the Holy Spirit, delivered by the Holy Spirit, signed by God, my Father, maker of all things made, and endorsed by Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. So I have a degree. My degree comes from a much higher university than anything that's here available on this planet. Heaven State University. Yes, brothers and sisters, I have a degree. The degree for me that matters. And none of these other pieces of paper that seem to matter so much to those that live here doesn't matter to me. And I've, I've actually heard, <laughs> quite honestly, I've heard preachers that have these degrees and they are very proud of these degrees. And they have so much more pride, but to hear them teach and speak and see how lost they get in the word, only one word comes to mind and thought, rube, rube, R-U-B-E. Some of you might know what that is, but man, they show that and they don't show this knowledge that they're supposed to have. Whew. I don't know. Maybe that degree was taken off the computer. I don't know. And like Jesus shared with a woman at the well, 
that God is spirit. He's always with me. He's always with us. And he shared with her that she would be able to worship God because he is spirit and truth. As long as we seek him in spirit and truth. And he teaches us by the Holy Spirit. And he takes us to that. The Holy Spirit will come and guide us and teach us. And will be with us wherever we're at. Through whatever we go through. And... Here's an important thing to Colossians 3, 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So look for those things. We don't look through or seek for those things that are mm, offensive, but you know, if you seek that, you're going to find it. And in Colossians 4, 1 through 6, a master is given to your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them, that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know ye ought to answer every man. So, do you sugarcoat it or savor it with salt? The scripture tells us that we should savor it with salt because here's the thing. If you speak righteously and you flavor with the salt and and flavor with that, it actually brings out the sweetness. It tames the tartness. But brothers and sisters, we have to remember something too. And this is a Latin phrase that I learned and I really like it. Humilitas oxidit superium. Humility kills pride. There are some of us that allow pride to take over and think that we're so much better than somebody else. We are no better than anyone else. We're not above anyone. It doesn't matter what intellect is there. I found that individuals want to belittle me and degrade because I didn't finish college. I went to the military instead of getting my degree. But like I shared, I have a, I have a much higher degree and a much higher authority. Heaven sent university gave me mine. Brothers and sisters, I love you. I share these things with you and like I've shared with you before. Don't have to listen to this whole thing. Pause it, come back and finish because I get a little verbose, I, I go. When I'm talking about the word of God and God has given me conduit flow for this to do. You have a good day, a blessed day. You are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in daily, brothers and sisters? Go and be blessed.